City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Okay, and here we are, and um, live in the studio. We're supposed to be dead in the studio, I suppose, this morning. <laughs> so you survived your cold then? <laughs> I <Karen>. did. <laughs> and that was, that was Meg Kimber, who's pressed the buttons and thus far got us on air, uh, doing a wonderful job. She's doing two jobs. She's interviewing and she's pressing buttons and doing great things. I'm Kevin Healy, and this is City Limits. It's the third Wednesday of the month. It's our housing day. And um, almost a touch of deja vu, because people might recall two, three, a few years ago now, I think a couple of times when we interviewed April Bragg when she's resigned from HAG <laughs> and uh, had farewells for her. Uh, <laughs> but she has again resigned, and uh, this time HAG being a housing with the Asian Action Group, by the way. Uh, and um, this one seems pretty definite, and she's um, coming in. She's going to come in soon to reflect on her... Well, she's had over 30 years working in this housing segment in some form or other, so that's why that's pretty amazing and still be relatively sane. (laughs) Um, And she's she's had almost 20 years at Hague as well and part of that. Um, And April um, will be talking about about her career and, and, and whether we've gone very far because we seem to be talking about the same issues all the time over mm. all those years. Mm. But she also recently had an experience, had to visit someone at uh, Royal Park and uh, talked about, in, in, in the light of the Royal Commission that's been announced, the most awful conditions still prevailing there and the fact that government's spending no money on it. So she'll probably raise that issue as well. And two other people from Housing with the Aged Action Group, Fiona York, their executive officer, and Christina Stapleton, who's taking over April's role, um, are going to come in as well to um, talk about a number of housing issues, but I think primarily we'll look at the we'll look at the um, Royal Commission. In fact, Fiona was on the Bricky Show this morning, so probably talked about it all then. I mm. I used public transport this morning, so I headed out the door as she was coming on, so I didn't mm. hear of it. Yeah. So that's today's program. It's it's housing and um, all this stuff going on. I'm going to pour a cup of tea. You want a cup of tea, I guess? Our normal teapots. Wow. I don't know what happened to it. It's, Whoa. Yeah, so we've There's, ended up with it. Kevin's got the most blingest teapot. Yes, yes. Well, our, our normal teapot, I don't know what happened. It is wasn't it, where its normal is spot it is. Is it safe for, you know, to consume things out of that? Oh. Or is it just purely decorative? Tell you in an hour. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll sort this out. Is it made of brass? Oh, bugger it. Well, or probably, yeah. It's some kind of it's, aluminium. It's uh, very bright, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Right, yeah. And we both came in on public transport this morning. It's interesting. Um, ride bikes. I know. Unusual. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes you, I, yeah. Sometimes I get a pain riding a bike. I maybe don't have the right technique. Mm. Have you always been riding? Yeah, well, I get off the bike you know, and go, go when I get home. Okay, oh, you stop. But oh, okay. no, I have ridden a bike for years since I was a kid, yeah. Yeah? Um, for, as transport? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, this morning would have been the longest ride since I had that cold, which I missed, you know, last week I wasn't in here. Yeah. Uh, and, and the weather forecast was, was rain and north winds, and I thought, I don't want to be riding home into that, I don't think, today. And Not really. So I came in on, on train this morning. And, well, and, here's a two-for-one yeah. deal for listeners. You also get a weather report. 
on city limits today. Ah. Yeah, so mm. pack your rain jackets if you're heading. That's out. right. That's yeah. right. We just gave it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> <laughs> now here we go with. Um, hang on, if I can get my bag, and I've actually realised I haven't got my reading glasses out. Uh oh, silly me. Anyway, there we are. Um, these are the reading glasses that I stood on and have got. But anyway, they're okay. Um, <coughs> the, I always stand on my glasses. It's hard not to do. If you need glasses to see little things like glasses that's around right, the place right. and then you can't find the glasses, it's <coughs> well, good odds that you will I have this bad habit of putting them on the bathroom floor when I go for a shower Uh-oh. and step out and straight on them. Oh, no. We're just losing power here. We just lost a light. Anyway, yeah, okay. Mm. <coughs> I've got a bit of information of in front of yes. me. Should Have I, you? Yeah. Yes, go on. Yes, yes. Um, Geek Girl Coding Workshop for Kids 5 Years Plus. I'm not sure how far up it goes up to, but um, there's a pop-up coding workshop happening this weekend in Melbourne. Um, girl Geek Academy are putting it on. A one-hour introductory workshop was open to all girl geeks age 5 and up and parents, guardians, aunties, uncles, everyone. Welcome to come and learn as well. Hmm. Um let me see. Tickets are through eventbrite.com.au and it's on the 22nd of September, 9 to 10 a.m. Right. Yeah. There we are. There you go. Now, speaking of this weekend, um, I just thought with the Herald Sun today, the headline of the week, because um, <clears throat> this is so unusual at this time of year, AFL finals week three, scalpers on notice. State vows to prosecutors, fans miss out. Now, <clears throat> that headline is in every single year. Uh, and over every year, they promise to do something about it and nothing ever happens and the scalpers still make heaps and heaps of money. Flogging. <sighs> and the question mark is, of course, how do they get them? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to have to give a little clearing of the throat here. Hang on a tick. <clears throat> there we are. And um, the other... The, the other factor I noticed, uh, there was, I noticed a little article where talked about people queuing up and the fans, the people from the two clubs fighting to get with, you know, so many hundreds of thousands of members of both Collingwood and Richmond this weekend, mm-hmm, for instance. Mm-hmm. But there were 40,000 tickets available to their members and they had, et cetera. And I thought, well, they're talking about 100,000 people being at the ground. Who's the other 60,000, for goodness sake? People who uh, hate football. Yeah. Who aren't members um, of any club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, is it right that the grand final was on a Thursday? No. Oh, wasn't it going to be? <laughs> no. Oh, really? No, it wasn't. Why did I hear that? I don't know. But oh, it must have been a, a semi-final. <laughs> but no, no, no. Oh, oh there really? was, sorry, the first week of the finals, there yeah. was a Thursday night game. Okay. Yes, there was. Yes, because I yes. just remember, I must have glanced yeah. at a Herald Sun and seen the outrage. At some yeah. point about that. Whatever, yeah, People okay. were very upset. But yeah. you obviously follow the sport pretty closely. I do, clearly, yeah, along right. with all the other news. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a more important headline was the screaming headline yesterday in the Herald Sun, all across the front page. Project Pay Dirt is the big headline. Wages Bonanza on Westgate Tunnel Metro Rail, and they've got a road work ahead sign, but the work's been cut out and it's replaced by perks, a very clever, clever move by the Herald Sun. Wow. One fifty thousand average annual pay and how much an hour, etc. Now this um well the Westgate Tunnel, for instance, as we've mentioned many times, is the proposal from Transurban which allows it to make heaps more money. It uh, mm-hmm. puts some money in, the state puts a lot in, and at the end of it it gets the further extension on its toll contract and so it's going to, it's, you know, the whole thing is designed for it to make lots more money for itself. Now, the Herald Sun isn't complaining about the, 
the billions that they're going to rip off motorists uh, because this is being built, but they're mm. carrying on about the fact that workers are actually going to get paid for doing the work. Oh, my gosh. Yes, isn't that dreadful? Oh, oh. Wow. And in the, in the light of what we see... Um, CEOs and various people getting these days. I thought 150,000 isn't too bad when you've got to work underground and dig tunnels, and it's yeah. and of course the number of people who get injured and, and killed on building sites. So, so they're they're suggesting mm. that that's an unreasonable amount to pay someone. Absolutely, totally unreasonable. Absolutely, totally unreasonable. I'm and <clears throat> yes, and the member from the Master Builders man says these sort of site allowance outcomes, on top of already extraordinarily high wages, are contributing to cost blowouts that are costing taxpayers in the Victorian community. See, the master builders care about the taxpayer. Yes. Um, adding this money on these taxpayers is the ultimate, is, is the ultimate client. Should be un, this should be unacceptable to the Victorian community, the master builders said. Paying I workers see. this sort of A money. A living wage. And yeah, paying. That, yes, yes, well, yes. Yeah. Because they're kind of like miners. So, so they should just go down there and get a lump of coal and a couple of dollars. You know, in their pocket at the end of the oh, day. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, there's a bill going They're not upper-class people like, you know, <clears throat> no, people no. who make the they rules. They swear they're uncouth. Yeah, they have unions. <sighs> they bloody will join evil unions. And, in mm. fact, that evil union, there's a bill going before Parliament today with Kelly O'Dwyer, the new... She's now the Industrial Relations Minister. Mm-hmm. And she showed her love of unions with her attempt to get the super funds off them and give it to the banks. Mm-hmm. But that, that exploded right in her face at the Royal Commission, that little manoeuvre. Yeah. Um, but today they've got a bill going before Parliament to make it much easier to um, stop unions amalgamating and to and to, and to in fact um, deregister unions altogether. So uh. now whether I, I hope it doesn't get through Parliament, it'll get stopped. But mm. uh, it's a bill they're putting up, so they want to, and they they're desperate. I mean, one of the first things Morrison said was he wanted to deregister the that particular union that's getting those awful wages for those bloody mm. workers ripping us all off. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. Just an update, though, and this is a positive. I hate to do this on City Limits, but it's a positive. Um, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be pleased. You're probably aware, but you'll be pleased to know that Pep and Pepper Tree Place that we talked about yeah. two or three weeks ago has been saved. And um, oh, the gates are going to stay open. The I gates, gates like are going to open. They had a meeting, and they've agreed. There's a mob called the Community Moreland Community Gardening will take on a two-year lease, um, and the church is in support of that. And um, so the two-year lease will be a test to show that it's viable, et cetera, et cetera. So, wow. Um, that's good news. That that's was great news. Yeah, yeah. I'm so pleased to hear that. Okay, yeah, it was we in, had our, in our local rag last week. It was front page story. Oh, so front page, yeah. yes. Front page story. Because anyway. we had Claire Hetzel yeah. in a few yeah. weeks ago who's a therapeutic yeah. horticulturalist and has been working there for a long time and... She said that she that she hoped that that would be how it would go. So mm. that's such good news. Yep. So that is that is good news. Um, on the on that sort of news front. Yeah. Um, there's a bloke called um, your interest in sport, which approved with the <laughs> AFL. Um, Colin Kaepernick, I suppose you know Cole, do you? Oh, very well. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good old Cole. Would What's he up to? Well, <laughs> just tell me who you think he is. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I, um, just like the process of elimination, I'm guessing it's maybe not mm. AFL. So is yes. it some kind of rugby league? I don't know. Getting sort of closer. Oh, um, I can mm. see a photo on the paper. Is yeah. it uh, American? He's American football. Football. Yeah, 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 oh, American okay. football. Oh, is he an Australian guy <coughs> playing? Um, no, he's not. He's oh, an okay. American. He's American. He's Afro-American. Um, yeah. Um, but he he's he led the campaign to kneel during the national anthem. Oh yes, and then and, he was on a Nike ad. Yeah, and it yeah. took and it took all the others. The uh, you know, and it followed up all the a lot of so many of the black players then. Yes, followed took a suit knee. Yep. and upset people. Yep. Well, yes, he's he's become part of a Nike thirty. 30-year campaign, 30th mm-hmm. anniversary campaign, mm-hmm. which is causing all sorts of furor. Um, and all these people who obviously love the flag and love America and, and love racial discrimination and uh, mm-hmm. injustice and police brutality, which mm-hmm. is what he was, pro- he was proposing, yep. racial injustice and police brutality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who love those things uh, began posting pictures of socks and shoes they had defaced or destroyed, declaring they would soon be switching allegiances, and they were putting all sorts of damaged mm-hmm. Nike goods mm-hmm. with that tick thing. And, of course, the tick really is about the fact that the tick bites the customers, but let's ignore that bit for oh. once we'll be on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they, they're, prom- they're, they're putting on, on, on the online that they want, they're going to switch their allegiance to other brands like Adidas, Brooks and Converse. Okay. Um, now, what these idiots who um, are opposing, you know, obviously support police brutality and racial injustice, etc., mm-hmm. and love the flag, mm-hmm. don't realise is that Converse is also owned by Nike. So actually... <laughs> 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 they, they, they haven't twigged to that little bit yet, uh, which is just a bit of bad luck. Yeah. But uh, Donald Donald came out and said that he he thought it was you know, what he did was terrible. Um, that's you know one of Don's classic phrases. Um, yeah, he was it was terrible, and he said. Um, I would. I watched him. He said, and I thought it was terrible. And then it got bigger and bigger and started mushrooming. Wonder why. Mm. And frankly, the NFL should have suspended him, uh, and he would never have done it again. He says um, that was cheers from an audience he was speaking to, who obviously also loved the flag and mm. police brutality mm. and racial injustice. I mm. will tell you, you cannot disrespect our country, our flag, our anthem. You cannot do that. Um, so um, obviously, and I thought. For a bloke to say you must, you know, you cannot disrespect our country, our flag, our anthem, you can't do that. And he then, should b- step down. By the day, yeah. he does it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm just wondering. But anyway, that's the latest with what I'll call the Pope. Well, he the, has been, he has been, um, he has faced career backlash yes, from that yeah. anyway. Yes, he so hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't been so picked. That's yeah. right. He hasn't played since. So, mm. so that's pretty awful. Mm. Uh, speaking of the aforementioned Kelly O'Dwyer. Yeah. Who's now a minister, as I say? Mm. She's just appointed a bloke called Graham Watson as her chief, um, her chief advisor mm. as minister for um, for industrial relations, or as we call it, caring business class relations. <laughs> um, and you might remember we well, you probably went around, but Graham Watson resigned from the Fair Work Commission. He was a vice president of it. Uh, because he said it was, it was he just couldn't stand it. It was too loaded toward the workers. Mm. <clears throat> Graham managed, I think, in a, in almost a hundred percent of cases to find for the employer. He's a former lawyer with Freehills, which is where McKay, Cash, and all the others come from as well, because it's the biggest anti-worker law firm 
and it, it actually advised the government on drafting work choices all those years ago. Mm. Uh, Graham Watson um, has a long history of, um, of finding for him, but obviously legally, I mean, he, I'm not saying he was biased, I'm just saying every case yeah. he had happened to be the employer won it. For sure. Um, um, <clears throat> and he quit, but he's now, anyway, he's now been, been appointed her industrial relations advisor. So that, sh- that should bode well for the unions in the next yeah, few years. Yeah. Um, and Steve Knott from the Australian Mines and Metals Association um, said Watson, who worked with them in the 80s as a, as, as a lawyer for them, um, said he was an experienced and highly credentialed employment lawyer. He possesses a wealth of knowledge and expertise, something that was sadly lacking when IR, with wanton recklessness, was relegated to a junior minister role in the Turnbull government. And a number of people are claiming that Cash and the previous person didn't go hard enough against unions, in fact, and mm. we now need we need Kelly to really get, you know, to, to bring balance back. To oh my bring gosh. the sensible centre, etc. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, now this is a bit. Cr- I mean, this shows how evil the unions are. Michelle O'Neill, who's the new president of the AC of the ACTU, said his hiring was disappointing. Oh, but not unexpected. It's not surprising that a man who has spent most of his life advocating on the side of reducing the rights of working people and giving more power to big business will be heading to work in the office of Kelly O'Dwyer. I mean, mm. that's, that's a bit cruel, isn't it? Oh, they should have probably just left that out of the reporting, oh, I think, I, I considering so. it seems oh. really biased. People don't want to know that sort of stuff. No, no. no. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm going to have another sip of tea. Hang on a <clears throat> You filled in that silence beautifully. I Thank thought. you. Um, that's well, right. my pleasure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, you did a great job. Great job. Um, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago also, speaking of these new wonderful ministers, Angus Taylor, who uh, who doesn't believe in uh, reducing emissions at all, and he's a coal man. He's the new minister for energy. Well, they love. They all love coal. Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, he now says greenhouse gas reduction policies. Um, he, he, he claimed our corporate greed dressed up as saving the planet. Um, oh, he's, he's onto the greenwash. That's right. Well that's done. right. <laughs> Not but, quite. But, but, uh, but Standard & Poor's, one of those dreadful ratings agencies, it says the government-created vacuum in energy policy is putting reliable energy supply at risk by delaying investments in on-demand generation. But in fact, um, Angus says that having... Having any sort of um, emissions target, in fact, is the problem, and we do, all we have to care about is getting getting prices down. If we really um, live in this free market economy that everybody, all the neoliberals, love so much, everyone should be able to put solar panels on their roof and generate their own electricity, and they should be able to sell it to whoever else they want and sell it back to the grid at market prices or whatever price they can get for it, the highest price they possibly can, because that's what the energy companies do. I know that you're not liking this. Thank God no one listens to you. (laughs) (laughs) If that was just, I just, yeah, just a bit of consistency, you know? It is interesting. They keep claiming that it, that, that, that um, renewable energy is going to put up prices now. If you get if you get something, once you've built the infrastructure, if something if the energy then is you get for free, I really have some difficulty seeing how it does put the prices it, up. Yeah, well, put the prices up because certain companies <laughs> don't want to lose their profits. <laughs> They're going to stack the decks however they can to keep making money. Well, that's right. And increasingly, people across the board, including a lot of the business people, not those extreme right-wing Liberal Party mob, mm. um, are, are admitting that um, renewable energy is going to lower prices. I mean, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Can't do anything else. Um, but the, the article here points out the government removed emissions reduction as a consideration of energy policy, even though it says it would have reached its goal of a reduction for the sector of 26% on 05 levels by 2030 without having to do anything. Well, it's certainly doing that. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Yes, so there we are. Now, look, we've got a couple of guests just wandered into the studio, so I think we'll stop raving on. Yep. And we'll... Um, We'll Take talk, a little break. We'll talk to him. Okay. Friends of the Earth's Walk This Way is back. Join us on Saturday, October 13th on a sponsored walk of Melbourne's beautiful Bayside Tracks to launch our new waste and consumption campaign and take action on climate change. Together, we'll walk 15 kilometres and raise $20,000 for Friends of the Earth. We will be highlighting key issues around climate resilience, rising sea levels and plastic pollution in our oceans. Getting involved is simple. Sign up online at walkthisway.org.au, get sponsored, spread the word and get walking. Join us as we journey through coastal communities who are most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. We'll finish up with a community picnic in the Katani Gardens in St Kilda. Friends of the Earth is a proud supporter of CCR. Looking for an opportunity for more opportunities? University of Melbourne could help you find a future you thought was out of reach. If your circumstances prevented you from achieving your best possible ATAR, Access Melbourne is the chance you've been searching for. You could earn a scholarship worth $5,000 per year or be guaranteed a place at the University of Melbourne. Find out more at access.unimelb.edu.au. Applications close 12th of October. Melbourne University is a 3CR supporter. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at istramelbourne.com. Premier, it's time your government stopped failing the kids. Mr. Melbourne um, is a 3CR supporter. Oh, fancy thing the government's failing kids. It's a disgraceful thing to say. Um, before we get on to what you've really come in for, April, today, <coughs> um, I, want to, I just want to raise with you a, a really serious real estate problem that <laughs> will, this, will, this will reduce you to tears, absolute tears. Sydney hotels are the fourth most profitable in the Asia-Pacific region behind Tokyo, Hong Kong and Singapore, but, and this is the big but, this is the shocking bit, but would deliver even higher returns if, if what? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a guessing game? (laughs) If If higher prices were... (laughs) No, if labour costs were lower, Uh, the bloody workers are squeezing them out again, isn't it? Disgraceful. I didn't... No, that I was thinking putting uh, tariffs up again. No. <laughs> the workers want to get paid yes, at the end course. of the week. Yes, yes. It's pretty disgraceful, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's certainly um, the case across the, the, the board with um, wages, isn't it? People really struggling and then you, you hear even politicians acknowledging how hard we're doing it with cost of living and how people are, you know, managing to pay their energy bills. And so it's just no, 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 and nothing just, ever. We just talked about Angus Taylor. He says that's the important thing. You've got to be able to pay those bills. Forget about reducing emissions, just lower bills. Yes, that's yes. Anyway, you're in here. Oh, we've got a bit of a so April breaks from the Housing with Age Action Group. She's Not been really. a regular for years. We've farewelled her about eight times. And we're going to, <laughs> we're going to stage our boo And we're doing morning. it again. <laughs> we're doing it again. And Fiona York's here, who's the executive officer at the um, Housing with Age. Action Group, so they're both in here this morning. But April, firstly, well, we'll talk to you about 30 years or more yeah. in the housing. I think this this time you have actually resigned. Yes, and I uh, <laughs> no, I had a farewell party before. They did give me one the right. other day, so um, this this time, um, no no going back. Peg's so, almost gone broke giving your farewell yeah, that's party. Right. <laughs> just tricking, just tricking. Um, yes, yeah, so. Uh, I, I have resigned from from HAG, but um, in my paid position. But um, um, as I've said before, I've been really fortunate um, throughout my working life, particularly at, at HAG. Um, got to do some really fantastic things. Have met some amazing people along along the way. So it isn't goodbye. Um, certainly, plan to to be involved in campaigns, and as everyone knows, that would be um, around housing justice and particularly. Uh, you know that old dream that we have um more public housing mm. um because as we've highlighted before what that actually provides people um in terms of quality of life and and security and without that we really don't have um anything else so um certainly be involved um still and really look forward to that and this new phase of my life of right talking about wages not being we, a wage slave we, we, we <laughs> might yes you'll be able to come to that monthly lunch yes um <laughs> But um, how many years at HAG? It was 18 or something. Uh, 19, 19 to the week, actually. last time. Yeah, last time. Last time it was 17. Well, it was 16 last time and then I was sacked in between. So that was at the 18th year and um, now 19 to, to the week. But... Um, uh, roughly um, 34 years in the, in the sector mm. in varying um, roles. Yeah. and yeah. I was saying to Meg earlier in the show that we've almost been talking about the same things for all those 30 <laughs> years. I mean, I know you and I were involved that long ago in public housing issues. Um, have we improved at all or were we just treading water all those years? Oh, well, that's a, the sad thing. And when I was re- reflecting about <laughs> a- achievements... Um, I, I guess overall, um, it we we are in a worse position than than we've ever been. We talked, Kevin, you know, forty, thirty, forty years ago about the final nail that was being put in the coffin of public housing when they introduced the priority housing system to make it more difficult for people to to access. And we've really gone back uh, backwards ever ever since. And of course. Um, in those days, when they first introduced the priority housing system, there was just one one system, and and now we've got four to five parts of that system. So the worst of the worst of the worst, um, and really difficult to to access. And of course, that's because there is no commitment to provide housing um, for for people. Um, and of course, market forces. Um, the private rental market was seen as the the stopgap if you actually needed accommodation, and you know it was generally around, you know. Well, it's always been difficult, but generally around that 40, 50% of income decades ago. 
Um, and that now that's no longer the, the case, and particularly for the group of people that we work with, older people, um, who have come through those 40 years, particularly without any superannuation or you know being casualised at work. They're the people that are really in difficulty now um, into the future. And we're seeing, of course... People in you know sixties, seventies, eighties, and sometimes nineties who are who are homeless and don't have a roof over their head. So, dismal failure, dismal mm. failure. Mm. Do you um, does this the work that you do relate into um, the rights of older people in terms of um, residential aged care accommodation as well? Because that's often often really yeah. difficult for people to get into if they don't own a stake yeah. in the. In the rental market, in the uh, property ownership market. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. Um, we don't work with um, in the residential aged care space necessarily, but what we do do and what our model is based on is making sure that people don't enter that kind of accommodation prematurely, mm-hmm. that they are given every opportunity to remain living independently within their communities and in their housing. Yeah. So what we do is access affordable and long-term housing in the community that people actually need, mm. that has all the services that um, that they're connected <clears throat> to. Yeah. Um, and along with, if it gets to that point in their life where they're needing a additional supports, making referrals Mm -hmm. into those services so that they can actually remain living at home. So if you need um, assistance with shopping or transport, getting to appointments, a bit of cleaning, then that's the type of support that can actually be provided. And that's a far better option. Um, As we've seen with the aged care, the calling of the Royal Commission um, into aged care, particularly residential care, Um, but also the really important for the individual, but the cost also to the individual and the community is much cheaper in providing that support for someone to stay in their own home. The really important thing is that someone have a home to be able to do that. And that really is geared to homeowners Mm -hmm. and the group of people that we work with, that's the group that needs to be recognised, that there is an issue and that they are a significant group of people. Yeah. And your generation, Meg, really is a generation that is more likely than my generation to actually retire without home ownership and therefore yeah. be in real difficulty. I mean, that's the sort of thing April's talking about, the difficulty that Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because I think, I mean, if you want to go into residential care, unless you have a, a place which is government-supported, yeah. and I don't know how many there are of those, then you basically have to sell your home yeah. and give all of... I'm not sure exactly how it works, but you basically have to own a home to be able to... Because it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, that is what we're facing, my generation. And mm. it's it's difficult because it's difficult for people now as well. But the whole system is kind of predicated upon the idea that you will own a home. Yeah. That that every Australian basically yeah. is going to achieve this, and it's not realistic now. Yeah. And and it, and it isn't. And the terrible thing for your generation and Meg, we're so sorry. I don't know what our generation <laughs> has actually done well, well, done, done to you. To well, you. Uh, well, unfortunately, that generation might be saved by another legacy of climate change. So the well, world, that could the, be true. The world mightn't exist anyway. So that's, that's right. But the, um, but income security as well, because for our generation, yeah. um, you know, it's starting to to fade out. But certainly, generation before. Um, mine, mm. there was that income guarantee in terms of the age pension and yep. <laughs> and there's no way that the government is going to be providing that into into the yeah. future. So, yeah. um, And we, we have in many, many, many ways less um, security of work yep. um, and working, good working conditions yep. um, now mm. Um, mm. than we've had, had in the past. So yeah. it's... it's um, <laughs> 
I feel very, very grim, but it, mm. again, I, I can't believe that we've yeah. done this to our kids. Well, you're people let alone, no yeah, I know. Let alone <laughs> um, ed- education and the hex debts that yeah. you know all our kids are, have got. Where do you go? Where do you where do you go from here in your life? In Personally, of, yeah, <laughs> going yeah. to lunch on Fridays <laughs> right, with <okay>. you. <laughs> right, yeah. um, I was just taking a, a, a bit of a break, but um, I, someone pointed out to me the other day. I suppose free from the the shackles of. of of funding, um, mm. just um, doing the things that um, I feel passionate about, and for me, that's always been housing. Yeah. I've always enjoyed being a housing worker, and as I said, feel really privileged that I got paid to do that for, for something I would have um, been doing anyway. I, mm. I, um, I, my, I always felt passionate about um, people being housed and how important that is, and. Um, being at the centre of your core and your heart, um, it, it's just every, everything. And I had heard all the stories and, and witnessed um, particularly uh, my grandparents who fought against evictions as many of the people, the wonderful people that I also met at HAG, like um, Molly and Edith, who were involved in, in those campaigns mm. and um, just the, the violence and brutality of the, the of the state mm. in physically removing people um, and having them live on the on the streets. I've always felt really passionate about, um, you know, defending those kind of actions. Mm. And we did run, run campaigns in the 80s and 90s that were quite successful in turning some of those, particularly public housing, rental arrears campaigns um, mm. around, um, not, not successfully enough, but... Um, so that that's my plan to continue yeah. on. Oh, yep. Good. And just before we take a break and bring Fiona into this, um, <clears throat> the the Aged Care Royal Commission that's been announced. Now you, you talked to me yesterday about an experience you had recently at Royal Park um, and the state of the place. Just tell us about that because that seems to reflect on part of what the Royal Commission should be about. Yeah. So um, and it does it does link heaven. So while Royal Park is part of the hospital system, the Royal Melbourne Hospital System. Um, the Royal Park camp- campus at Parkville is its um, is the geriatric um, or aged care part where um, people are, are still patients but get support. But um, I had a family member that was there for about three weeks and um, first off was in a medical ward, shared ward, really basic condition, shared ward with um, six others. Um, but providing good good attention, even though the building was run down, but then transferred to what's known as transitional care. So um, that you're transitioning before going either into residential care or going back home or whatever other arrangements. And the building there is just appalling. It's part of um, what would would have been the old asylum mm. <laughs> um, back in the. What would, would have been, Kevin? The oh, 30s. way back, 30s and things. Yeah. So, well, it operated as a psychiatric hospital up until the Commonwealth Games Village was built. Um, yes. So oh. it was up to that oh. time. And yeah. prior, prior to that... Which uh, was, what, 2000 or something? Yeah. I can't remember now, whatever year it was. And certainly mm. prior to that, in the 50s and 60s, it was um, the main um, nursing home um, run by the, by the state, and that was before privatisation, of course. Anyway, um, this building hasn't appears to have no repairs apart from um, urgent repairs. Um, it uh, so there are individual rooms which I thought would be better um, than the medical ward of sharing with five to six other people. Um, however, the rooms were just so stark; they there was nothing in them but the bed, yeah. um, old concrete, besser block um, walls. The fluorescent lights had no covers on them. Mm. Um, there were old telecom um, 
or P- PMG cable, phone cables actually, that had just been bundled together and were hanging over, over the wall. The rooms were, were freezing um, and they all had balconies, but the balcony doors were, were, closed, were locked, um, one for safety reasons, but because the balconies were flooding as well. And so the week that, that or two weeks that I was there, it kept raining and the water just kept cascading over the side of the, of the balconies, but from the top above. So there was just mm. this running water all the oh time. Oh, God. Um, bathrooms um, were so primitive in the sense that um, no mirrors, um, so to, to shave or to do your hair, do your makeup, um, that that wasn't possible. There was a small mirror in in the room, but very dark rooms, of course, with these really odd fluorescent lights. So it just had that really awful um, institutional feeling. The, feeling. the old institutions yeah. as we knew them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing which we will talk about the aged care um, and and the model, but people sitting in their rooms. Um, unless you wanted to go out and play bingo down in the community room, which looked like it had been set up um, before the soldiers actually left for World War One, um, it, it um, you were you were left alone basically. <clears throat> there are a number of people that were, there, there are gardens at, at Parkville, but people actually weren't uh, weren't allowed out because they were at falls risk, and there's certainly not enough staff to be able to supervise. Um, so it was really sitting in this very stark, horrible, horrible room. Um, it was something out, like out of the dark ages. So, mm. and that's the the public thing. When I was actually talking about that to to the staff, they said, "Well, use your respite hours um, and go into one of the private um, facilities." But the issue was that we had used all the respite. Um, there's only sixty days allowed a year, mm. so we had used that up previously. Um, and there was no other option, really, um, except to go into permanent care if you wanted to be in better surrounds. Mm. And my concern was that it was having such an impact on, on him um, that we just had to get out of there then and there. Otherwise, he would have been a completely shattered man. Mm. Mm. Well, that's pretty awful, isn't it? We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and bring Fiona in and talk about the uh, World Commission. Herds and Curds with Carmen and Leanne, bringing you conversations with farmhouse cheesemakers and dairy producers. The first Sunday of the month at 7am on your favourite station, 3CR, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. been a patient at Monash Health, then we need your help. Because we care for patients from so many countries speaking so many different languages, we need your help to make the patient experience better. To make a real difference, register to be a consumer advisor. Visit the Monash Health website, monashhealth.org. Monash Health is a 3CR supporter. Okay, and Fiona Yorkson here. Fiona, you're, um, you're, well, your role at HAG, you um, tell us something of what your feelings about HAG as well and then lead yeah. us into um, 
the Royal Commission. Sure. Or proposed Royal Commission. Yeah, the proposed Royal Commission, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm one of the managers. I used to be the co-manager with April. We had a little bit of a restructure a few months ago. Um, and so at HAG, we still are providing um, a lot of support to older people at risk of ha- homelessness, as well as our retirement housing advice. And we have our national project as well. So we're still doing all of those things under the legacy of April and Jeff, who have been there for a long, long time and will continue to be doing all of the good work that they do. Long, long. <laughs> you mean she's coming back again? Oh, she's never going to go, we know that. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I do there. Right. Yeah. Now, the Royal Commission, um, the government, you said proposed, I mean, mm. is it... It, it, it was announced. Is it guaranteed to go ahead, do you well, think? Or, or was there it, seems to be a yeah. bit of vagueness around the parameters of it, how it's going to roll out, what the terms of reference are. I think it potentially, without wanting to sound too cynical this early in the morning, that <laughs> um, <laughs> it may have been yeah. a knee-jerk reaction <laughs> potentially to the yeah. negative media that was on Four Corners and over the weekend as well about yeah, the appalling the, state of... You don't think the care. timing was a pure coincidence? Mm, <laughs> I don't think so, no. So uh, we actually wrote to Scott Morrison and to a bunch of state ministers and federal ministers yesterday with our partners at Consumer Action Law Centre and Council on the Ageing and Residents of Retirement Villages and asked them to extend the scope of the terms of reference to include people who are living in retirement housing um, because the reality is most older people don't live in residential care Mm. um, and those that do have high needs and and we do need to be looking at that more closely because it is like we were saying earlier April out of out of sight out of mind it's something that Mm. people don't want to think about Um, older people they have a negative connotation so they want to shove them off into these isolated pretty horrific conditions Um, but the reality is most people can age well in place given the right supports Mm. Um, but we do know that retirement villages and uh, other types of retirement housing are also pretty appalling Mm. so we're asking for the Royal Commission to also include those types of retirement housing to have Mm. a look at the management dodgy contracts um, deferred management fees um, training, all of that sort of mm. stuff. Well, they were all exposed in another four-quarters yeah. program, of course. About Avio, uh, yep. And Avio seems to have since then run into a bit of financial trouble. Mm. It's um, currently a part of a takeover bid, but anyway, yeah. It's yeah. not, unfortunately, not just um, confined to Avio. It seems to be across the sector, all, all, mm. for, all for profits and not-for-profit sector, so it's not mm. great out there. And that for-profit bit, I mean, we, we hear about the costs, et cetera, and the, mm. the industry is saying, well, they need much more government support and finance. I mean, we've got that usual clash between what people seeing themselves as part of free enterprise but depending totally on the government funding. Yeah. Um, so there's a, some sort of conflict there, isn't there, and as we'd see it anyway. Yeah, and, and I don't know if the market is going to be able to sort this stuff out for us. I think opening stuff up to the for-profits and saying deal with the most vulnerable people in the society without giving your CEOs a huge or your shareholders or whoever a big return. Mm. I mean, whose responsibility is it really? And I don't Mm. think we can rely on people that are out for profit to be able to look after vulnerable people. Mm. And when you Mm. mentioned before other types of retirement Mm. housing, can you break that down in terms of like what that looks like? Yeah, so the people that are coming to us and are a big part of our membership base as well are very active in this area. Mm. Um, they live in types of retirement housing like independent living units or okay. small villages. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they did used to get government support in the 80s but that has fallen away. They might be owned by um, 
small um, church groups or whatever. Mm -hmm. And over time, they are changing to being sort of independent living, which means that people are able to look after themselves and and have sort of a village atmosphere in there Mm -hmm. into residential care because of those government subsidies. So without residents necessarily consenting or even being aware that type of housing is slowly changing Mm. and that sort of low cost housing for people that maybe have too many assets for public housing but not enough to buy a big house Mm. um, say you know between 50 and 100 grand they can't afford it anymore that sort of sector is falling away and that's Mm. a really really big gap that we're seeing at the moment Mm. Um, we used to be able to say to people here's a list of places that might potentially you might be able to buy into but Mm. that's not the case Mm. Um, the other area is um, residential parks and caravan parks where people own the dwelling, but they don't own the land that it's sitting on. Yeah. Um, and the Residential Tenancies Act reform that went through a couple of weeks ago was actually a, a bit of a win for people in that sector mm. um, because it shows it shows that the government is looking at that type of housing and saying that if a caravan park closes, then those residents that own their, their building but don't own the land are entitled to compensation, um, which is a massive win for people yeah. in those for example one turner caravan park you probably would remember mm. that closed last year um, and those people were basically left with the cost of having to move their um their caravans oh, or their see. their units with nowhere else to go so now yeah. they will have to be compensated by the developer um for for that which is a great thing good yeah yep. and having to move i mean it's a little bit a practical problem but mm. having to move if you happen to be an older person who hasn't got a car but you've got a caravan oh God. it's a bit of a tough job pushing the bloody thing <laughs> well that's right and most of these are they're movable in theory mm. but they're not movable mm. in reality at all they have annexes and yeah. and, car- and you know mm. porches and gardens mm. and they've lived there for yeah. 20 30 years and have a community around them and that's why it's important like april was saying to people for people to be able to age in place, it's the most important thing. People mm. want to be around their supports and what they are familiar with and who they know. And just to think that people have had to walk away from the only asset that they actually purchase mm. because um, I'm not sure the costs now, Fiona, but a couple of parks that we worked with um, in down in the Geelong area, the quotes that people were getting to be able to move their units were around that seventy, eighty thousand dollars mark. They'd used all their savings to actually buy those dwellings, thinking that they'd be able to stay. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily what they wanted to do or live in a caravan park, yeah. but in terms of the savings they had, they might have worked a bit, and so they were particularly over that thirty-two thousand public housing social mm-hmm. housing limit, mm. which really needs to be changed. Um, as as people as this group of people um, mm. come through and start to to retire, um, and to have thought that they've been locked into that type of housing with no choice, mm. um, but by government um, in having such rigid rules in terms of um, who gets who gets housed in long term affordable housing, is just disgraceful. And mm. the one Turner situation, a person had spent a hundred, I think it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on their unit only six yes, months before yes, it closed. Yes. What are they supposed to do? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yes, and, and the, well, we obviously the, the terms of reference need to be very broad, mm. and, and including because it has been raised in the last few days as well, young people with disabilities, yep. primarily who are in nursing homes with yeah. older people and their needs and their what happens mm. to them needs to be looked at as well. Obviously. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the show on yeah. next week because it's about the regulation <laughs> and the regulators and, and how much they are responsible for acting or not acting. So we saw with Berkeley Living, this, um, Consumer Affairs Victoria taking the operator um, to court, but those people included younger people with disabilities as well as older people that um, people had invested a lot of money to go into 
that and it was not clear whether it was a residential um, facility or whether it was a retirement village and mm. it's obviously slipped through the gaps between all the regulators. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with yeah. that one. And that was the one, wasn't it, that um, even though the the um, owner had gone missing, there was some questions around criminality, yeah. um, but not just um, financial crim- criminality, but standover tactics to, to wow. families that had... Um, and threats to kill to, to families that had... And you wonder how these people could end yeah. up operating retirement villages. But the most extraordinary yeah. thing that happened there yeah. was that the residents were still required to pay their weekly fees, even though they didn't know where the money was actually being deposited, who was getting it and where it was being deposited to. Yeah. And the legal advice, um, and also from Consumer Affairs, that people needed to keep paying it because they could actually be evicted if they didn't. Oh. And that was just <laughs> the most extraordinary thing. Um, yeah. Do you feel the law is a touch one-sided in these matters? Yeah. <laughs> Although, would that have been cleaned up by the recent act? Because um, that did no, clean, no, no. It didn't falls into that grey. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about the legislation. There's, there's, we need a reform of lots of pieces of legislation, but the the RVA, the Residential Village Retirement Villages Act, is the one that needs to be reformed because it, there's nothing in there to protect people. It's all based on contracts. Mm. The contracts aren't standard. They're really, really hard to understand, even mm. for lawyers. Yeah. Even lawyers don't get it. Yep. So how is an a older person or their family supposed to decipher these crazy 50-page <clears throat> contracts? Presumably they're not meant to, of course. Well, that's, um, and yeah. you're, at, you're at a point at that point yes. when you're looking for residential care, you're at probably your most vulnerable. You might have been in hospital yeah. and then can't go back home and suddenly you need to be somewhere and the hospitals are trying to yeah. rush you out. Absolutely. That's yeah. right, yeah. 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 And plunged into this world of, of yeah. uh, which is just impossible to to work out what the best thing and and again as I was saying about the respite care there's a lot of pressure um, on on signing that contract for permanent care um, mm. and everything that that entails and yeah. and often some, sometimes we get calls from people who had been forced into that situation but become well. Um, yeah, it was just a health crisis at the yeah. time. And want to go home. And mm. and want a place they, they don't mm. want to stay. Um, mm. And they don't need to stay either. Yeah. They can live perfectly independently. Yep. With and another support. problem seems to be staff levels and, and staff yeah. ratios and um, and yep. particularly trained staff and nursing staff, etc. Um, I noticed that a few, you know, during the um, before pre-Abbott, the Gillard-Rudd government Bought in some legislation to to give fairer wages and conditions to workers, but Abbott immediately wiped that yeah. out. Mm. Uh, and just recently, it was it was pointed out. Um, this is in Monday's Financial Review. Earlier this week, the government released a workforce strategy report it had been sitting on since June that said nurses and personal care workers in the sector should be getting pay rises to boost retention. So you get a report that says workers should be better off, and the government sits on it. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's just disgraceful, and and to think that that the importance of of that work, I think as um, the Four Corners program showed that this is where people are moving to to live out the rest of their lives. Yeah. This is their homes, mm. and and often it's just treated that 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 it's not, and you and the person needs to fit into whatever's happening in terms of the standards that that nursing home needs to meet, or yeah. um, the 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 spreading of the workforce requirements. Um, mm. And people that are really spread thin on the, on the ground, but it's such important work for us to allow that to, to happen. Um, same happened with the childcare workers, um, you know, for 
our most precious people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the young and the old yeah. um, is really uh, is is really disgraceful. But I think that 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 is the problem in people. When you look at why people are so unhappy and not wanting to to go into residential care, it is about losing that independence. Yeah. And it doesn't provide that holistic care because it, it can't yeah. under the way that the models run. But and to think that most people are, uh, you know, isolated in the room, they yeah. they don't have any contact. We heard that, um, that nurse say, you know, people are just holding her hand, yeah. saying just stay with me for five more minutes because that's the interaction that they need. I mean, one of the things that was actually said to, to me, um, particularly at Royal Park, was um, I... I raised a concern on the Monday and they asked me if I was coming in before Sunday. <laughs> I said, I'm there every day. And they went, oh, that's really unusual. So, and, and we know it's a norm that people don't get visitors and family and, or, or they don't have family. And so to, to feel that, to be absolutely trapped in, yeah. in a situation that you're really unhappy in is just And when there's so, so many, there's so many people in who, who are, this is their home, yes. this possible, yes. you know, it doesn't take, it's, it's not, a crazy idea to yeah. make these places work yeah. so that they are people's homes and, and that they can make friends yeah. and they can have things to do yes, and they can garden right. and have pets yeah. like and make their own choices mm. yeah and, and be, have agency yeah and I guess the problem also is there's so much requirements for uh, regulation like in terms of quality and risk everyone's so risk averse yes. yeah they're taking choices away because they don't want to let people yes. make choices that yeah. may expose them to risk yet Here's these gigantic holes in the mm-hmm. system where, despite the level of, of compliance, yes. people it's just still, yeah, yeah, right. still, still facing abuse. And, yeah. and the risk yeah. on the on the other side to to that, I remember um, when Roger first went into to respite care, um, and it, and it was a good facility. But one of the first things they wanted to do was to take photos of him undressed so that they could actually see what bruises or marks he actually had. Entering wow. <laughs> to be able to if there Cover if something had happened, yeah, and that's yeah. all it was, and yeah. we actually refused that and said this is what you need to do, but it's not what he actually needs or is going to happen or or wants. It yeah. was just outrageous. Yeah, um, and I think that that's the thing that. When, when you're entering that people, you know, what their interests and needs aren't yep. because uh, – one and don't even get me started on activities. Yeah. Because to to think that, oh, we've got lots of activities here and do that. And when you actually look at the schedule, it's bingo or it's, mm. um, you know, some of the physiotherapists standing around passing a ball to each other or we'll go through the Herald Sun and as, as a group and – Will make comment on the on the photos. Let it do their minds the well, world of good. That's, that's <laughs> what I what I mean. And when you actually say this is so far from from what this person would life actually yeah. life will want yeah. to do, yeah. and this will add to to the depression, to the to the feeling of going insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no response. All they have to do is prov- say that they're providing those activities, whether they're relevant or not. And of course, you got people who are you know quite um, quite. Um, sane and, and yes, got all yes. their mental faculties around people who have Alzheimer's and mm. dementia, etc. So that mix must be quite depressing for a lot of yes. people who who have their own have their marbles still, so yes. to speak. Yeah, yes. and I think that's the problem with changing retirement villages into residential care yeah. is that retirement villages are designed for people who are independent and still have uh, you know capacity, whereas resi care is usually for people that have much higher needs and to to say, oh, we're moving into this village, we're putting all our assets into this, we're going to live here for the rest of our lives and then to have that slowly changed mm. around you without realising or consenting mm. is, a, is a big issue. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you mm. were um, oh, 54. We'd, yeah. um, we're many more on that because I'd want to raise something else with April before. Okay. No. You, you mentioned yesterday, and I wasn't aware that I just thought people reached the retirement no. age and they automatically went on the pension. You tell me that, yeah. in fact, there's long delays and people are left with no money. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, so I guess from um, really from the middle of last year that um, we started to hear that people were waiting for um, to be um, approved for their for their pension. And um, we've recently seen people that... Um, that uh, who who are homeless needing to apply for housing or in you know really dire housing straits, but their pension hasn't been approved and and it has been it has um, attracted national media. Um, in a in my in a personal situation, um, certainly have a family member who's now just been approved after applying at the end of January when he was entitled um, to to apply. Is this and retirement pension? This is age pension. Age pension. Yep. yep. So certainly, Kevin, as you're saying before, you just thought that once you turn the the, the age, <laughs> which again it is another yeah. bit, it it just happened, and that's no longer the case. Centrelink and the government are saying that it can be up to an eight month wait. Um, you need to rely on your savings. If you don't have any, don't contact us until you're down to that last fortnight mm. equivalent. Or, or dead, whichever comes yep, first. Yep, $900. This is how you keep people in poverty. Yep. And the reason this is is the sheer number of people that are turning eligible. Um, the government's saying there's a 1,000 people per week that turn eligible for age pension. Like, we didn't know that this was going to happen. Um, One would have thought a modern computer could handle that fairly well. <laughs> yes, that's right. And then, so they are looking at that people, um, that how they're going to cope with this is that they're thinking that um, they'll allow people to apply six months before eligibility because it will take that long to, to process. Um, the other issue that, that certainly happened in my family was um, so there ended up being about $16,000 that, that was owed in, in back pay um, and told time and time again that that would actually happen. It didn't happen and what the system ended up being in the end. But no phone call, no email, even though all those details are provided. It's a bit like the utility providers mm. <laughs> that we always talk about, Kevin, mm. when they cut you off even though that they've got your contact details, um, was that the computer system actually can't cope with processing that amount of money and it needed to be done in four lots. Um, so, so, so that was money Centrelink owed yes, to Yes, yes, to, to the person. Wow. Couldn't play it in mm. one lump sum. They're much faster if you owe them. Yeah, yes, they absolutely that, that, are. That's right. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's right. So, so in the terms computer of, can handle that side of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of looking at issues around older people, I, I think, and, and I was saying to Fiona, I think how Centrelink is, is actually administered needs to be included in the Royal Commission as mm. well because it's absolutely outrageous yeah, to right. think that that's the case. We're out of time, unfortunately, but... Uh, just one other well, thanks, thing on yes. that as well. Um, <laughs> a couple of people we were dealing with, no, no, a couple of people we were dealing with at work, um, and of course people needing medication, was that they had to pay full price for medication because they didn't have their healthcare cards, ah. so they couldn't even get their healthcare cards provided, well, let alone the payment. Well, that's outrageous. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And there's no refund of that. There's no back paying of medication no. costs. Yep, that's me. All right. <laughs> okay, so look, this time's up. And April, look, thanks for your work over all these years. We've done this before, but uh, <laughs> we'll, and I'll see you around, no doubt, anyway. You and Fiona, will. thanks for coming Thank in. I'll probably see you more Thank regularly you now. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll be Fiona's, Fiona's you're <laughs> running with it. <laughs> okay, so thanks for coming in. And um, Meg, thanks for that. Next week, we've on. got, um, I don't know what we've got next week. It's a fourth Wednesday. It's, we'll we'll yeah, sort it out. Just check in. It's a, it's a, it's a lucky yeah. dip. Yeah. It'll be a city limit. Next week. <laughs> so,